Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Washington Watch, your go-to source for all things political, insightful, and thought-provoking, all from a biblical worldview. I'm Tony Perkins, and I'm thrilled to be your guide to the corridors of power, intrigue, and decision-making. Well, tonight we're going to delve deeper into the long-awaited bipartisan bill that was supposed to solve the border crisis. While many had hoped it would lean into the Remain in Mexico policy that had worked so well in the Trump administration, well, it now looks like the struggling bill will remain in the Senate and go nowhere. All indications are this bill won't even move forward to the Senate floor. Why? A simple reason. Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump thinks it's bad for him politically. Therefore, he doesn't even know it helps the, the, the country. He's not for it. He'd rather weaponize this issue than actually solve it. That was, of course, President Joe Biden. You know, maybe Donald Trump's calling the shots because there's a vacuum of leadership in the country. We're going to talk with Utah Senator Mike Lee a little bit later. Speaking of the border, the House is moving forward with the impeachment of the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Unlike House Democrats, we take the use of impeachment extremely seriously. While I do not wish to be standing here presenting these articles today, we have exhausted all other options Our oath to the Constitution now requires us to exercise this solemn duty. That was the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee, Mark Green, on the floor earlier today. Now, President Biden has once again announced he will veto a bill that will secure vital support for Israel in their war against Hamas. And it is outrageous and shameful that the president of the United States would suggest that he would veto support for them in their hour of greatest need. Israel is fighting for their right to exist as a nation. And the president of the United States wants to play games with this? I don't think so. I don't think the American people are going to go along with that. That was House Speaker Mike Johnson uh, this morning. We're going to navigate through the differences among Republican lawmakers this evening over the latest attempt to get funding to Israel in their fight against Hamas. We're going to be joined in just a moment by Texas Congressman Randy Weber, and then uh, later South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman will be with us. By the way, President Biden threatened to veto the last bill that the House passed to support Israel over three months ago. That bill has set languishing in the Senate. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind that this is the same administration that over the last three years has given $1 billion to UNRWA, the United Nations Relief Works Agency that has long been tied to Hamas. UNRWA funding was also a focus of debate on Capitol Hill today. We'll see where that debate might lead. And as I mentioned yesterday, an effort to... um, Stop the murder of Christians in Nigeria. Two to three hundred. Three hundred is probably the best estimate. Murdered uh, on Christmas Eve and then who's, who died thereafter. Uh, and we're not outraged. I am. And I'm tired of us saying, oh, let, you know, let's just allow normal diplomacy to take its course. That was uh, New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith today in the House Foreign Affairs Committee. We obviously we talked uh, with Congressman Smith yesterday about that here on Washington Watch. Well, today we're going to be joined by Pastor Akila Youssef, who oversees a network of over 200 pastors and leaders in northeastern Nigeria. Our word for today comes from Exodus chapters 4 and 5. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses that he did, and he did in uh, signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. 
There was excitement and enthusiasm for a moment, but then afterward Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. He not only refused to let them go, but he also made their life harder. You see, obedience to God will often bring opposition from those who resist God and his word. But like the children of Israel, we need to stay the course of obedience. For more on our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. Well, a lot happening on Capitol Hill as the House votes today. In fact, uh, probably within the, the confines of this program today, they'll be voting on the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who stands accused of refusing to enforce border laws and breaching the public trust. Now, later this week, the House plans to vote on a standalone bill to provide aid to Israel for its ongoing war against Hamas. This comes after Senate Democrats have refused to take up the previous legislation that the House passed three months ago. And amazingly, President Biden has once again said he would veto this latest attempt to support our nation's closest ally. Joining me now is Congressman Randy Weber. He serves on the House Committee on Energy and Commerce, the House Committee on Science, Space and Technology. He's also a member of the House Freedom Caucus and co-chair of the House Bipartisan Task Force for Combating Anti-Semitism. He represents the 14th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Weber, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Thank you, uh, Tony. It's great to be here. Uh, your predictions on the impeachment vote that uh, should happen shortly? Boy, I tell you what, um, I would hope that we get Alexandria, Alexander uh, Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, I can do this, impeached. He has abrogated his responsibility. Uh, his main goal in taking his constitutional oath should be to protect Americans. He has failed miserably on that. For him to come to a hearing on Capitol Hill and say that uh, they have basically operational control. The only one who has operational control of that border right now is the drug cartel. He's got to go. Let's talk now. We'll see momentarily what happens there in the House. Let's talk now Israel. Uh, you, strong ally of Israel, you have been supportive of the Speaker's latest uh, efforts to get that critical funding to them since the, the Senate has blocked the last effort. Why is this so important now? For the life of me, Tony, and you're right, I've been a strong uh, supporter of Israel since I became a Christian in 1973. But for the life of me, for Biden to threaten to veto it, you said it early on, this is an existential threat for Israel. They're trying to make his it's hey, it's election year, campaign year, surprise, surprise. Look at the moves they're trying to make. They're trying to put us on record being against Ukraine, being against a lot of the things that we're not necessarily against, but we do on our border secure. We do on our best friend, our best ally, Israel. And you know this. If it weren't, Israel is the one stabilizing force in, in the Middle East. If it weren't for them, that powder keg would have exploded a long time ago. And I cannot believe that this administration is playing politics with it. Well, I mean, this it's very interesting to see. As I mentioned earlier, they've been funding UNRWA uh, to the tune of a billion dollars over the last three years, which is linked to Hamas. In fact, we've seen 13 uh, I, the, the Israeli intelligence forces uh, intelligence services identified that there were 13 uh, UNRWA workers that were linked to the attacks on October the 7th. I mean, are we going to continue? I know that the temporarily that mu that uh, funding of UNRWA has been stopped by the Biden administration, but it needs to be eliminated completely. 
Well, that's exactly right. And in my very conservative district, the Gulf Coast of Texas, going over to Louisiana, uh, you know what? My district would like to see us get the UN out of the United States and the United States out of the UN because you can't. They can't be trusted. We're the main contributor to them, and we should be, in my opinion, just totally out of the United Nations and let and let us make our own way when it comes to foreign. Uh, Affairs. Con Congressman, given the information that has come forward on UNRWA, do you think the House will advance the bill that was uh, introduced today that into committee that would uh, remove funding from them? Is, I mean, this if, if it doesn't happen now, when would it happen? Well, our good friend, as you know, Mike Johnson is a born-again Christian. As you know, that's the only kind there are. But he's great on those things. He loves God. He loves Israel. I, I think we'll push this forward now. Again, politics gets involved. What, what are the Democrats going to do? Are they going to try to make the Republicans look bad? Is the president going to issue a veto threat, which, by the way, I think is why the last bill languished in the Senate, for one reason, mm -hmm. because he's sending them a signal, don't vote for this right. or don't, don't even move it along. And so the House may do its job, but we'll see uh, what the Senate will do. All right, Congressman Robert, I want to talk uh, Israel. I'm going to go a little bit deeper in that. Um, you're a very conservative member of Congress. You've got a great record uh, with the Family Research Council. You're part of the Freedom Caucus. But there's some differences among our conservative friends on this bill that would support Israel. Let, let's talk about that. Yeah, I've been watching that with a great degree of interest, Tony, and I've been involved in some of that discussion. And uh, as I said earlier, Israel's our greatest ally. We're their greatest ally. And you know the scripture, God made it very clear that whoever blesses Israel, he will bless. And whoever curses Israel, he will curse. Well, I know which side of the equation I want, I'm going to be on. I want this country to be on. And I'm telling my friends, look, I understand that you're, you're, you're concerned about it. We're not getting this bill. We're not getting border security tied up with this. But and so Israel, I think it was 17 billion. I forget the exact number. Right. Israel is in the fight of its life. You alluded to that. And now is not the time to turn on back on Israel. Let's make up that money somewhere else. Let's claw back that money from the IRS agents. Let's get that done going forward. But right now, our greatest ally needs us. Well, and that's the point that our our, our friends are making, our conservative friends, that, well, look, we, we passed the previous bill and it had the pay-fors in it. That was taking the money from the IRS. This is a standalone clean bill. You know, we're $34 trillion in debt. How can we continue to fund things where we don't have money for? And these are not easy questions that we have to respond to or, or challenges. But I, I think, as you pointed out, this is an existential threat to Israel. They are our friend. And I quite frankly believe that the, the one reason America continues is because we have stood with Israel, given everything else we've done wrong. I couldn't agree more, Tony. And that's exactly right. Going forward, let's redouble our efforts to claw back all this money. But let's not do it at this time in, in the life of Israel. And let's obey God's word, quite frankly, and let's support Israel. And then we'll deal with clawing back that money from the IRS agents. There's a lot of there's a lot of things we can get money back from if we have the political willpower. But let's not is make Israel pay the price for it right now. So, Congressman Weber, final question for you. You know, we're moving toward those March deadlines where we have these temporary funding bills. The deadline comes uh, the first part of March. 
Are we going to see the appropriations bills make their way all the way through the House? We've, we've got about 70 percent of the work done. Are we going to get the rest accomplished? That's the plan. And I've been in contact with Kay Granger, of course, chair of the Appropriations Committee. That's her plan. Now, some of that will depend, too, on how we conduct ourselves on the floor, because if we're going to start calling to, you know, vacate the chair, if we're going to start calling uh, to adjourn all those procedural moves that just do nothing but throw a monkey wrench into the process, we might not get to. It's time for us to all focus and come together on those appropriation bills, make the, the assessments that we need to make, make changes that we need to make, and then let's keep this going and let's do it quickly. Let's do it as quickly as we can because we don't want to get caught, uh, the old proverbial, you know, with our finger in the cookie jar or whatever. Uh, we've got to get it done as quickly as possible. So I, yeah. I think we can if, uh, if a lot of the folks will just stay the course, do the common sense thing. Don't try to throw a monkey wrench into that. Well, let, let, let's hope and pray that you do, because it's. I think it's critical that we get back to this normal way of business, doing the appropriations bills the way it should be done. I, Congressman Randy Weber, always great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. All right, Congressman Randy Weber of uh, Texas. By the way, speaking of prayer, join us in 21 days of praying for our country, following up to last week's National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance. We are encouraging people to continue to pray. If you'd like to join us, text PRAY21 to 67742. That's 67742. 67742, the word PRAY21. All right, we're going to continue this conversation about Israel and uh, standing with our ally with Congressman Ralph Norman of South Carolina. He joins me next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold 
or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us again. If you'd like to join us in the 21 days of prayer, text PRAY21 to 67742. Now, you may be aware that last November, shortly after House Speaker Mike Johnson took office, as I mentioned earlier, the House passed a $4.3 billion aid package for Israel that paired that spending with cuts to the IRS. Now, that was part of the money um, that uh, the Biden administration pushed for last year. Now, that bill went nowhere in the Democrat-controlled Senate. It, it, they're just sitting on it, leaving, the, uh, leaving Israel without any aid as they battle against Hamas. Now, many conservatives supported the previous bill in Israel's effort to defend itself, yet still plan to vote no on this latest standalone aid package. They're seeking to pay for this aid to Israel uh, with spending cuts elsewhere and asking how can we support another country when our own nation's borders are not secure. All good questions, especially as I mentioned just a moment ago, we're $34 trillion in debt. But some of these challenges that our leaders face are not easy. They're not necessarily black and white. Joining me now to discuss this, Congressman Ralph Norman. He serves on the House Rules Committee, the House Budget Committee, and the House Committee on Financial Services. He represents the 5th Congressional District of South Carolina. Congressman Norman, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Great to be with you, Tony. Thank you. Now, you've supported aid to Israel, um, strong supporter of Israel, but you have concerns over the bill that I think actually is starting to be debated on the floor right now. Uh, that the House will vote on this week that would be a standalone, what's called clean, uh, bill for support for Israel. Tell us about it. Well, it's a ass, uh, legitimate ass, at, I think it's $17.6 billion, um, or $18.1 billion total, but with no offsets. And, and Tony, what, what gets me is... You know, the fact that we're not even fighting for cuts. The only thing this administration has done well is to spend our money. Mm -hmm. And we have so many things that we could at least fight for to support Israel, which is our only democracy in the Middle East. I fully support the, you know, what they're doing. I support the fact that they're fighting for their survival. Uh, and all we would need to do is to get full support, in my opinion, was to offer up some some savings. Now, where could that come from? The IRS, which would be $80 billion. 
there's a le- there's a climate change tax credit. Get this, six hundred sixty three billion dollars. The FBI building. The 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 list goes on and on. What's frustrating to me is that you know we're killing the goose that lays the eggs, and the fact that this country cannot keep doing this. And as I tell my many Israel uh, supporters and friends of mine that I made when I visited Israel, that this kills me to do this, but I don't know when this Congress is going to take our spending seriously. We cannot keep this trajectory up. Uh, $36 trillion in debt, interest uh, on the debt alone is like 80000 per second. We just can't keep going. So that's my reasoning. And I... All of that is true. I agree with all of that. But I, I want to ask you this question. That the House passed a bill that did that three months ago, um, and, and the Senate refuses to take it up. So how do we solve these problems where we've got, a, you know, the Democrats, they, they, they don't really care about these things. And they're sitting on this bill. So here, here looks, this looks like the options before us. And, and Feel free to jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. So you've got this now uh, bill that doesn't look like it's going to come out of the Senate. That was the supplemental bill that was, um, you know, a uh, hundred and I don't know, 18 billion in total. That dealt with Ukraine, dealt with Taiwan, dealt with Israel, and then you know now it has these flawed border provisions on it. That's one option. The other option, you've already passed, the Senate sitting on it, and then the Speaker has put forward this clean bill uh, to once again, I guess, push the Democrats into the corner in the Senate. What other options are out there? Well, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's a severe problem with the Senate. I don't know how you deal with the Senate. Uh, they don't care. Their, uh, you know, their record of spending is just not, you know, is is is, is unavailable. They're just not going to do anything, but. We've got to keep trying. I'd send bill after bill. We, we've asked, and, and I think Mike Johnson is is a, a de- he's an honorable man. He's a he's a godly man, but it's time to play hardball with them. By meaning, uh, they want the Ukraine funding worse than anything, and so we've got to somehow use leverage to get them to offset something. I mean, in 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 a, a time that we're real close, if not already past the point of total bankruptcy in this country. Yeah. And how many countries are we going to be able to help then? Right. None. I, I so, do not disagree with that one bit. Um, these are hard issues, very hard issues. And, 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 I, and I respect the differing opinions, and that's why we have these conversations on this program. I do want to ask you one question uh, semi-related to this. Why? You mentioned that they're really pushing for the Ukraine funding. Why are Democrats so enamored with funding Ukraine, but not Israel? Uh, it's very simple. They really do not support Israel. I mean, this president's already calling for a two-state solution, which is is unbelievable. Uh, Ukraine, uh, Ukraine is known as a corrupt country. Uh, I, ha- I have zero confidence that uh, the, the bill that they want to pass uh, is not going to where it should be going. I think it's a, uh, this administration has, has, I've lost complete confidence in them. Uh, so that's that's why I think the money, if you really traced it where it goes, it's not for where it should have been going. Yeah. A lot of it went to Hamas, a lot of it went to 
um, the very enemies that are supporting Iran and basically killed our three servicemen recently. And this administration is not doing anything about it and, and won't do anything. Anything this administration, I hate to say this, I, I don't say it lightly, but anything this administration embraces, I have to wonder about. I really do. Exactly right. And could, it couldn't come to an end quick enough, Don. You're, you're absolutely right, but that requires people vote. They're informed, involved, and engaged. Congressman, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, folks, a little bit later, I'm going to talk about this, how we can be uh, here in Washington, brothers and sisters in Christ, but have different opinions. How, do, how are we to deal with that? I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. All right, after the break, the persecution of Christians in Nigeria continues. Why does the Biden administration refuse to add Nigeria to the countries of particular concern list? We're going to talk about that next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. I, I hope that as you follow along with what's happening here in our nation's capital and some of the difficult issues facing our country, that you would be prompted to pray. That's what we're told to do. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. And we want to help you with that with our 21 days of prayer. Text the word PRAY21 to 67742 and join thousands of Christians across this nation praying for this nation. Speaking of things to pray for, our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. More Christians are killed for their faith in Nigeria, more were killed last year, than the rest of the world combined. 
The latest large-scale massacre of Christians in Nigeria occurred on Christmas Eve last year when an estimated somewhere between two to 300 Christians were murdered by roving gangs of armed bandits. Now, despite these ongoing attacks, the Biden administration continues to refuse uh, to place Nigeria on its list of countries of particular concern. Now, I, I talked about that yesterday with uh, Congressman Chris Smith, something that we actually accomplished during my time as chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom in the Trump administration. We, we got Nigeria on that list, which meant there, there were sanctions, there were, uh, it, was, it was a stigma internationally, and it put them on notice. And that was removed by the Biden administration when they came in. Well, earlier today, the House Foreign Affairs Committee held a markup for House Resolution 82 covering the need to redesignate Nigeria as a country of particular concern for engaging in the systematic, ongoing, and egregious violations of religious freedom. Well, join me now in studio to discuss this following his appearance today on Capitol Hill is Pastor Akila Yusuf who's the regional overseer of All House on the Rock Churches in northeastern Nigeria. He's president of the Cutting Edge Ministries Network, leading over 200 pastors within the Middle Belt region of Nigeria. Uh, Pastor Akila, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So let's, let's start with what's happening in Nigeria. How, how bad is the situation? Well, I've been in that part of the country for over 20 years, and I've witnessed the circle of violence escalating to what it is today, to when we had the unfortunate incident that happened on the 24th of, of December last year, Christmas Eve, where we're preparing for Christmas, and then the news came that is jihadists had overrun several villages, and uh, we have, as put, as you said, said about 200 were killed, but we have a humanitarian crisis arising from that. Over 20,000 have been internally displaced because of that crisis, and um, I felt because the government itself is not doing enough to stem the tide, because I've witnessed this circle for over 20 years, and I believe that coming here and raising our voices to a, a greater platform that our friends in America would be able to put some pressure on the government to do what is the needful to save God's life and property. Did it make a difference back a few years ago during the Trump administration when that designation was made? for the Nigerian government as being a country of particular concern? Surely he did, because the, the crisis wasn't as it is we see today, because right now it looks like the government doesn't seem to have control over it. Number two, because when we're on the list, the U.S. did not sell arms to us. There were certain restrictions, travel restrictions for those in government, and it, it made them to be a bit... Are more tame than they are right now. But because we've been taken off the list, and of course, arms, um, the U.S. has supplied some arms to the government, but what we noticed over the years was that there's been nothing, there's nothing has changed. Rather, things have escalated about it. We had a better time uh, during the Trump administration because we are on that list. And there a lot, the U.S. government put pressure on our government and making them accountable, which we do not have right now. Pastor Keela, let's talk about the spiritual state of the church in Nigeria. The crisis, of course, has impacted the, the work because, and of course, you know, we have this urban-rural migration as it is, and significant people from where I come from are peasant farmers, and because of the killings, they can't go to the farm. So we have issue of shortage of food because if you don't farm, you don't have the food to feed your family. And number two, of course, because of the fear of anxiety, attendance to church and activities has dropped. Number three, you don't have much night movement at all as you used to have. So a lot of things has been uh, has suffered. There has been negative impact of that significantly, not just about the church, but the people's life as well.
Is it on the verge of a international crisis? I mean, is Nigeria at a tipping point where you're going to see not only internally displaced people, yes. but refugees leaving the country? Yes, and, and chiefly because when I was at the State Department in December 2022, I mentioned to Ambassador Rashid Hussein about how that is expedient. America does a needful because Nigeria has over 200 million people. Largest and of course, population. if anything happens over there, it's going to spill over the entire sub-Saharan region. And of course, you're going to have a big escalation. That will not just be a Nigerian problem, will become an African problem. And of course, with the way the government is going right now, the economy that is becoming derelict right now, there's so much anxiety and so much insecurity. A lot of things just piling up. It's like a, a everything pressured up. And uh, something needs to be done quickly to to get it off or else we're going to have a real crisis. How are you praying that this would be resolved? I'm praying and I'm also doing faith. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Why I'm here is also part of the faith. We're praying and we have, we have also called on churches to intensify prayer in their local churches, pray as groups, pray as families. That's one level. And then we are engaging at different le levels to ensure that the, those who are internally displaced have sukkah or some word of making them go back to their places of their ancestral homes. So we, we're praying and then we are working. So we're using the both hands at the same time to be better. Very quickly, we're up against a break, but how can your brothers and sisters in Christ pray? How can we pray for you here in America? The praying to understand why they're suffering because of their faith. The praying that they should stand strong in the faith and then praying that the Lord will supply every need they have arising from the crisis. We will do that. Thank you. We will pray, but like you, we're going to put uh, feet to those prayers and Amen. faith without works is dead. We're going to continue to advocate for our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Steve. Folks, thanks so much uh, for leaning in on this and praying. Pray 21. All right, don't go away. Senator Mike Lee joins us next. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. 
It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this uh, Tuesday. Ah, seems like it's already been a week. All right, uh, so a couple of housekeeping notes before I bring in our next guest. We talked about this last week, but today's the last day if you want to sign on to this. Um, Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar was recorded last uh, month delivering, actually just a couple, I think weekend before last, delivering troubling remarks that raises serious concerns regarding her national allegiance, um, actually putting Sudan or Somalia above the United States. And, and so there's, a, there's a, a move to to actually investigate this. And we have a petition that we want to send to the House Ethics Committee to look into this because, um, first off, the speech was, was given in her native tongue, not in English, had to be uh, translated. And this was given in her district in Minnesota. And, and that's problematic. Uh, you know, when you, you, because there's some question about what she actually said. Well, we, we shouldn't have to guess. We shouldn't have to translate what our members of Congress say about this country. And, and Sonia, if you'd like to join that, just text the word OMAR, O-M-A-R, to 67742. Okay, uh, before we go to our, our next guest, I, I just want to, I want to, to address something. And we deal with some really tough issues. We've, we've been talking about the border issue. We've been talking about Israel. And guess what? We have friends on both sides of the issue. And I'm not talking about uh, different sides of the aisle. I'm talking about people on the same side of the aisle dis- disagreeing. And, and, and we're seeing that increasingly. And that's okay. Absolutely okay. And, and we need to be able to have vigorous, thoughtful, aggressive debate on these issues. But... I think we need to be mindful. And and this is not just the members of Congress I'm talking about. It's about us, about those on the outside, too. I think we've got to be very careful about questioning the character of of people that we disagree with, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. And I was just reminded this morning of a psalm, Psalm 15 by David. It says, "Who, 
may abide in your tabernacle, Lord, who may dwell in your holy hill. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change, he who does not put out his money to usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. You know, we can disagree on issues, but, you know, we should not take a reproach against a friend. And, and I, I'm going to be defensive of, of many of the men and women that I know here in our nation's capital. I know them because I've known them for years, and I sit down with them, I talk with them, I know their faith, I know they love the Lord. Now, we may disagree on issues, and that's fine, but I'm not going to call them a rhino, I'm not going to attack them because of their character. I will aggressively engage them on issues, and we should. But let's just be mindful that we've got to maintain a level of civility. And, and I think it's what's happening as we see individuals get attacked. And I see this happening to the speaker, uh, where people are calling him a rhino and differently. And I know him. He's not a rhino. I know him quite well. That that drives good people from this process. And we need these good people in this process. Like my next guest, who is, uh, is a staunch conservative. And he and I, of course, agree on most issues. But he is fighting the good fight here on Capitol Hill. And while some may accuse him of different things, I can tell you he's thoughtful, he is uh, intelligent, loves this country, understands the Constitution and the boundaries that Congress, the executive branch, and the judicial branch must operate in. I'm talking about Senator Mike Lee of Utah. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate Budget Committee, and he joins us now. Senator Lee, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Tony. So, Senator, I want to talk about the immigration bill, okay? Yesterday, I had uh, Senator James Lankford on, let him talk about the bill. Um, You have put out 12 points. Actually, I think you call it the dirty dozen, uh, the problems with this bill. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Look, this is a bill that had some potential, had some promise early on, as it was described, Uh, The idea was to secure one set of votes, uh, votes from Republicans concerned about funding Ukraine in exchange for getting votes from Democrats to bolster border security. Uh, There are a million ways in which this could have turned out well, could have turned out better. Uh, I I have great respect and admiration for my friend James Lankford, as I know you do. Um, And I think... um, He was put in a very difficult, near impossible position. Uh, The Senate Minority Leader, Mitch McConnell, assigned him to be the negotiator, and as far as I can tell, uh, precluded him from uh, negotiating in uh, to this bill a lot of the features that were important to a lot of Senate Republicans. Features that would have, for example, conditioned the release of any Ukraine funds on the achievement of certain border security metrics benchmarks, if you will, demonstrating that the border was getting under control. In other words, uh, if a uh, uh, money, pot of money X couldn't be released until such time as daily migrant encounters have been reduced uh, to below 500 per day or something like that for a specified period of time, that might have worked. It might have gotten the votes 
um, in, in order for this bill to pass. But instead, what happened was that he was directed by Mitch McConnell not to even uh, bring that up in the negotiations. He, he was not allowed to bring that up for reasons I don't understand. He was also directed, as far as I can tell, to not disclose any of the contents, any of the work product as he was negotiating. It's not uncommon for uh, uh, there to be a time, you know, a few days or something like that, where somebody goes into a silo in order to hammer out final details and not share text. But to take this out for three or four months and not share text, what that is, puts him in an impossible, unwinnable position because he ended up with a work product that was so far distant from where most members of the Senate Republican Conference were willing to go that it was unsustainable. Uh, and in the end, we found some pretty significant flaws with it. Now, he will be the first to acknowledge that this bill is far from perfect. I happen to disagree with him respectfully, but strongly in his assessment that we'd be better off with the bill passing than without it. I, I think this would tend to encourage more illegal immigration, and it would send this, the wrong signal, the signal that uh, the current border crisis is the product of inadequate federal law, and it's the consequence of a law that doesn't allow the border to be secure. That simply isn't true. President Trump secured the border under the same set of statutes that President Biden has. It's just that President Biden has willfully chosen not to enforce the border. Uh, and these concerns, I think, are going to lead to the bill's demise, possibly as soon as this week. Yeah, I, I've read through the bill, uh, skimmed through it. I mean, I've, I've gone through some of the highlights on it. Here's my assessment, Senator. Um, and I agree with your assessment of James Lankford. I've known him for a long time, traveled to different parts of the world with him. Uh, great appreciation for him. And I think he was, I, I think his motives were good. I have no question about that. But I, I think there's some provisions on here that are marginally helpful in the current crisis. My concern is that if this were adopted, that it would suggest that we've solved the problem and we really haven't. Right. Suggest that we've solved the problem when we really hadn't and would be used to justify uh, support for the bill. Uh, among Republicans who many of, uh, of us as Republicans in the Senate and in the House have constituencies who are legitimately concerned about the amount of money that we've sent Ukraine so far, $113 billion. The military aid that we've sent to Ukraine is more than any other country on earth has spent, and at least until recently, uh, more than every other country combined. Well, collectively, if, I, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, Senator, what we've given Ukraine since that war in total totals the same about about the same amount we've given Israel since 1948. Yeah, yeah, that is right. And it's also accurate to say, I think um, what we've given to Ukraine is equivalent to um, something like 20 or 25 times Ukraine's average annual military spending and roughly double Russia's uh, average annual military spending. So it's a, an extraordinary sum. We're not in that neighborhood. Our European allies, uh, whose security umbrella we've been providing for our entire lifetimes, and, uh, those allies need to step up. This is in their backyard. And with as much as we've spent, uh, more than any of them, more than all of them combined, we have no business 
uh, uh, spending this much more money, and uh, certainly, unless or until they've done their part, which they have not. And so with this border security language being used to justify those votes, uh, this had better actually do some, something right. for border security. And as you point out, some of these pr- provisions appear, you know, possibly marginally helpful, but nowhere nearly as helpful as they would need to be in order to justify uh, uh, sp- sending that much money to Ukraine and in order to justify sending this this potentially harmful message that the border security crisis is the result of inadequate legislative authority. Right. And I know this is a bipartisan bill, so there's going to be bad things in here. But I mean, there's some things that are really objectionable. For instance, the the funding for sanctuary cities. You identify this in your dirty, uh, your dozen uh, items. These are sanctuary cities who were, you know, virtue signaling, oh, we're a sanctuary city. And when people actually take them up on their offer, they're now screaming for federal bailouts. That's right. Uh, These same cities screaming for federal bailouts. Now we'd be giving them that much more money as they've been undermining our border security laws. Um, we, we, We give paid lawyers to certain categories of illegal immigrants. U.S. taxpayer-funded lawyers representing them. We give a huge amount of money to NGOs, some of the same NGOs that have been helping the caravans. And then one of the features of this bill that frustrates me the most is the so-called Border Emergency Authority. Now, this was the one that was held out as the big promise. This was going to be the big uh, prize at the end uh, because it was going to create, as it was described, a Title 42-like authority whereby the president could shut down the border during periods of border crisis. So we watched with anxious eagerness as this was released. And when we read it, it confirmed many of our worst suspicions and then compounded them. What we found is that at the end of the day, this so-called border emergency authority doesn't necessarily hold up in an administration like this one, an administration bent on not enforcing the law at the border. Uh, You you have uh, both the Secretary of Homeland Security and the President of the United States, who under those provisions would be given a large amount of discretion to just exempt out a certain number of days each year that couldn't be covered by that border emergency authority. You also have another set of provisions that uh, by year three, in other words, after the first two years of the operation of this bill, limit to 180 days, less than half of the days in the calendar year when the border could be shut down, as it's euphemistically described in in the bill or by the bill's sponsors. And so it just doesn't add up. And an administration like this one that wants to thwart it will be able to thwart it still. We will have sent the message that we've solved the problem when, if anything, we've compounded it. This in addition to the fact that it creates 50,000 new green cards, 50,000 new uh, immigrant visas, most of which go to family-based immigration, not employment-based immigration, at exactly the time when, if anything, if we're going to expand, we need to have that debate. And I don't think that the debate would really err in the Senate on if we're going to do that, uh, or on the side of making it more um, open to family-based chain migration as right. opposed to employment-based needs. We've got about two minutes left, Senator. One other thing that, that I, kind of caught me off guard in this bill is the Afghan Adjustment Act. Uh, These were things we had questions about, some of these people coming in from Afghan that were not vetted carefully. This makes it easier for for them to to, to move on in. 
Yeah, this has been a controversial piece of legislation. There's a reason why it hasn't passed. There's, there's nothing in the Afghan Adjustment Act that requires them to be vetted adequately. Now, we do have procedures whereby uh, people in this category uh, uh, can apply for relief and uh, uh, apply for visas. Uh, this circumvents those, and it does so in a way that doesn't require them to go through the requisite, the, what I would regard as the proper amount of vetting. Remember, this is a dangerous part of the world in which America has long had uh, some enemies. And so to have tens of thousands of people eligible to come in uh, uh, under that status uh, without adequate vetting is, in fact, a dangerous thing. Very dangerous, especially when we saw some of the, the individuals that uh, this administration was ushering in and others that they were keeping out. Um, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's another topic for another day. Senator Mike Lee, out of time, but always great to see you. Thank you for your thoughtful presentation on the concerns of the bill. It's very helpful and uh, always grateful to have you on the program. Good to be with you, Tony. Thanks so much. All right. Senator Mike Lee of uh, Utah. You can find out more. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Follow the links over. All right. Speaking of the border, we still have an active petition that we're going to be delivering in the next week to the House leadership, telling them to stand firm on the border. And if you'd like to add your name to that, simply text BORDER to 67742. That's BORDER to 67742. And we're going to deliver those uh, messages to the House leadership, encouraging them to hold the line on the border. All right, folks, out of time for today, but I want to thank you once again for joining us on this edition of Washington Watch. And until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.